Parenting according to the Bible. There's a lot of parenting advice out there, and most of it's useless because it's not founded on the Word of God. Um, and the truth is, we don't have a better idea for raising kids than what the Creator has given us in this book right here. And because we've rejected that, we find ourselves in the place that we are today. So I want to share a very simple, very, very simple passage of Scripture with you today. And uh, hopefully it will, it will help us. And here's the thing. You say, well, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. It still applies because this is how God deals with us as the Father. All right? So everything I'm about to say applies in one way or another to us. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Now notice who it is addressed to. It says, and you what? Father. So who is Paul speaking to specifically in this little verse? Speaking to dads. And by the way, fathers, you should pay close attention to that. When you stand before the Father, it is you fathers that will give an account for your family. Not the mamas. Primary responsibility falls on dad's shoulders. So Paul says, you fathers. And I want you to notice he, he gives a negative, tells them something not to do. And then he tells them something to do. I call that the replacement principle. By the way, look for it in the Word of God. Whenever God tells you not to do something, there's a replacement that He tells you to do something. You see, because God knows if you just remove something without refilling it with something greater and better, that that something you remove will come back seven times worse. There's a principle there. But here's what He says. Do not what? Don't provoke your children to wrath or to anger. No, don't do that. But instead, you could put in there, but bring them up, and I want you to say these two words, in the training and admonition of the Lord. So I want to share with you the ABCs of parenting. Warren Wiersbe said the modern version of this verse goes like this. Parents, obey your children, for this will keep them happy and bring peace to the home. But that's not what Ephesians 6.1 says. Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So we, children are called to obedience. And by the way, if you're a child of God, what are you called to? You're called to obedience. And not obedience that you can work up, but obedience that is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God due to the regeneration of your heart through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the obedience that we get to embrace as adults or as, even as children. We got some young people in here. My son Sam's in here. Uh, we got some young folks in here. We got some teenagers in here. We all get to do this thing. So let me give you three, three quick, real quick, three elements of biblical parenting. I call them the ABCs. They're foundational. So as a parent, here's the first one. It's a letter A. It's in your outline this morning. The letter A, and it is always... Win. Always win. As a parent, it is vital that your children submit to your authority. It's awful quiet in here this morning. You need to always win. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart out of it. The modern version of that says... 
children, train your parents in the way you want them to go so that when you're older, both you and your parents can be miserable. And that is what the equivalent of what we've seen today in our society. And a key to your children being winners in life is for you to always win in disciplining them. This is not popular anymore. And I would submit to you that's why we have the problems we have today. Now I want to say this clearly. After every encounter, the parent should ask themselves one question. It's simply this. Did I win? Did I win? Did that child submit? The first time the word disobedience occurs in the Bible, it is associated with death. I want you to think about that. Your child's disobedience is not cute. It's demonic. And it will lead them ultimately to death. The wages of sin is what? Not a better life. The wages of sin is death, folks. And we must discipline that to the point that there is submission. Are you with me? Vital. And by the way, how does the father treat us? The same way. And discipline is not something you do to a child. Hear me. Discipline is something you do for a child. Thank you. One person. Memory gets it. <laughs> Amen. You know, it's not something you do to a child. You do, if you do it right, it's something you do for a child. But it starts with submission. And listen to me, especially as mom and dad. Oh, you are not your child's buddy. Dad, you're not their friend. You're their father. And, 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 and the two things are not synonyms for one another. They need a father, not a friend. The day will come that you will be friends. But until there's surrender, there can be no friendship. Reminds me of the account of the surrender of General Lee at Appomattox. Lee got there early, which was his custom, in a fine-pressed uniform, which was also his custom. General Grant walked in late. In a wrinkled uniform, which was his custom. General Lee stood up and extended his hand, and Grant did not move. He did not extend his hand back. And he simply said, no, sir, I will have your sword first. For until there is surrender, there can be no friendship. I want to say to you parents, especially you fathers today, I want to say to Kevin today, as you raise little hope, surrender precedes friendship. You must win. Here's a way to do that. It's a parenting proverb. It's what I've used with our, our, our children. And part of the reason I'm preaching this is Elizabeth and I, we're not as young as we used to be. Uh, yeah, I know it's hard to believe. You can see it in me. She looks the same. I don't know how that, that works. I guess it's God's reward for having eight children. Um, he let me age for both of us. I was out with Jack the other day. He said, oh, is that your grandson? I just, he should be. <laughs> you know, no, that's my son. But we've learned this over the years, and I need to be reminded of it. And it's simply this, this parenting proverb. When you give your child an instruction, here it is. You do what I say. This is in your outline, by the way. Right away and with a smile. Right? Do what I say, do it when, church? Right away and do it with a what? 
Now that last part I can fudge on a little bit. There's some things that you're going to require of them that they're not going to enjoy. So what I will do with that is I, I, I will often say do it with a happy heart. You don't have to like it. But you have to do it in a spirit of submission that is joyful. In other words, you can't do it with a bad attitude. So if they don't do exactly what you said, it's what, church? Disobedience. If they don't do it right away, it's what, church? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Every parent ought to have that tattooed on their forehead. If you're counting to three, listen to me, you've already lost the battle. I will never forget working on my car... We were replacing an alternator in Florida, and my treasurer was there helping me, Mr. Gene Lilly. Gene is an older, wiser man. And Paul Jr. was doing something, and I said, I said, Junior, you stop that. And he didn't. A minute later, I said, Junior, I said, stop doing that. And he didn't. And finally, I put the wrench down, and I stood up. And as I went to walk over there, Gene just reached out and touched me, touched my leg, and he said, you're training him to disobey you. I said, what do you mean? He said, he knows you don't mean business until you stand up. He said, you're training your son to disobey. That hurt my feelings, but it helped my parenting. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And these, these kids, listen, and you know what? The kids don't have a problem with this. It's you and I that have the problem. If you train them to first-time obedience, they'll train easy. Harder to train the parent than to train the child. But you must train yourself to train your child to obey immediately, do exactly what I say, when I say it, and to do it with a happy heart. Proverbs 22 15 says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of reproof will drive it far from him. It's the only verse in the Bible my father ever memorized. <laughs> and, he, and he practiced that verse regularly on me. <laughs> yeah, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And I want you to listen to this. Every time a child wins over the parent, listen, the foolishness gets bound tighter in their little heart. Did you hear that? Every time a child wins over the parent, the foolishness gets bound tighter in his heart. Don't do that to your child. Don't do that. Win. I read of this. I wanted to share it with you. It was just so powerful. It made so much sense to me. Listen to this. It says, A godly mother told how she had turned her strong-willed, firstborn, one-year-old son's determination in the right direction. He was determined to empty the kitchen cabinet so he could play with the pots and pans. She was determined he wasn't going to do that. And she was determined that she was going to win. She got down on her hands and knees and made eye contact with him. And by the way, that's vital. This is a key point. Until you make eye contact with the child, you will probably not truly communicate with that child. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. And listen to this. I will guide thee with my eye. She got down on her hands and knees and, and got his eye contact. A key goal of parenting is to be able to guide your child with your eyes. 
Many parents repeat themselves over and over because they don't get and hold the eyes of their children. And I'm going to tell you something. I learned this a long time ago with my treasure in Florida, and it revolutionized my parenting. If they're not looking at you, they're not hearing you. Make sure you're communicating and you have their eyes. So when that one-year-old started emptying the cabinet, the mother firmly, gently said no. She frowned, shook her head, and lightly swatted his little hand. He went for it again. And again, she said no and frowned and shook her head and repeated the ritual. For that strong-willed, firstborn, one-year-old son, listen to this, it took about an hour. An hour. But she won. And listen to what the writer said. I think he's spot on. Here's what he says. Then he crawled away to happily play with his toys. Do you realize that in the long run, that mother's investment of one hour may have saved her a thousand hours of difficulty, stress, and heartache? But she not only saved herself a lot of time, she taught her son one of the most important lessons anyone can ever learn, and the lesson is this, authority wins. Authority wins. If you're not teaching that to your child, you are failing them. God's authority wins. Always. The Bible, the last part of Proverbs 22, 15 says, the rod of reproof will drive that foolishness far from that child. Now, there must be some means of external control for a child until he is helped to develop his own set of internal controls. And I want to say this. A loving spanking with a small rod of some sort is God's way to teach a child one of life's most important lessons. And it's simply this. Disobedience hurts. By the way, adults, how many of you have experienced in your life as an adult that disobedience is painful? And if you don't teach that to your child, you set them up for failure. You set them up for a lot of pain that's going to come down the tracks in their life. And if you, we, we got to win. We got to teach them that truth. And I just want to say this as I'm on this uncomfortable, and these next two points go quick, so don't worry about it. Here's the truth. While we're on this uncomfortable topic, and that is this. If a child, if you spank a child and he is still uh, demonstrating rebellion or disobedience with either his attitude or his actions, here's the thing. You're not done. That is a signal that that child is sending you is, is that the session is not over yet. Now, I want to make this very clear. That you should never discipline a child when you're mad, when you're angry. My ch I'm just going to tell you the truth. My children have missed some spankings because I was angry and couldn't come down fast enough that the spanking would be effective. I would rather not spank my child than do it in anger. Because if you want to set up a root of bitterness in that kid, spank them while you're mad. 
you will, you will do nothing to train them to truth and everything to set a root of bitterness in their heart. Better to not discipline than to discipline in anger. But I also want to say on the flip side of that, that children are not, are not ignorant. The biblical principle is simply this. When the displeasure that a parent brings into the child's life for disobedience is stronger than the pleasure that comes from the disobedience, only then will the disobedience stop. Did y'all catch that? The pain of the discipline must exceed the pleasure of the disobedience. And until that happens, you're not done. And different kids will require different measures of discipline. How many of you parents know that sometimes that child wakes up and say, you know what, it's a good day to die and I'm taking a woman with me? Huh? Right? Have any of your kids ever done that? <laughs> it's a good day to die and she's coming with me. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes they do. You know why? Because they got that sin nature from their dads. And literally, I swear, sometimes they wake up and they say, that it's a good day to die and I'm going to take it with me. So look, always win. And you're not done until that child has submitted. And don't fall into the trap that three, three swats and it's over. No, it, it's over when that child, when you, and by the way, you can tell. Can you not tell? And start this young. Start it young. The sooner you start it, the less work you're going to have on the back end of it. Man, we make a game out of it, first-time obedience. Matter of fact, Elizabeth, I need to do that with Jack. Remind me before it becomes an issue. And that is, you know, I'll call him. And what I want him to say is coming or Yes, or something, and I want him to come right to me. And when he doesn't do it, you know, I'll go chase him down. We're just making a game out of it at that point. But we need to train them during periods of non-conflict. Train them when they're not in trouble instead of only when they are in trouble. That's what the Bible means when it says to, to bring up our, don't get your children, don't make your children angry. Instead, bring that, nurture them, train them towards the Lord. How do we do that? We train during periods of non-conflict when they're not in trouble. So that when they are in trouble, that training takes over and they, they listen. They are trained to both your eyes and to your voice. It's vital. It literally may save their life. Always win. B. Here's the B of parenting. Not only always win, but here's the second thing. And it's going to sound contradictory, but I promise you it is not. Be gentle. A is always win. B is what, church? Be gentle. Be gentle. There is no reason to be harsh as you win. You with me? Here's, here's how gentle the Lord is. Now, your Father in heaven, he don't play. He's the authority, and he wins. You don't believe me? Go read the last book. He wins. He always wins. He never loses. However, he is gentle. Romans 2, 4, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, it says this, Or do you presume on the riches of the kindness and forbearance and patience? And there's what Paul says, not knowing that it is God's kindness that leads you to repentance. It's the kindness of the Father that leads us to repentance. Tertullian said this, the early church father. He said, It is better to keep children to their duty by a sense of honor and by kindness 
than by fear and by punishment. Don't exasperate your children. Don't cause them to be angry. The opposite of that is be kind. Yes, win. However, winning does not require a lack of kindness. Matter of fact, if you're truly going to win, it requires kindness. As I tell my eighth grade debate class all the time, the goal of an argument is not to win the argument, but to win the arguer. The goal of your parenting is not to win their obedience. You're four times their size. If you can't win their obedience, you got a problem. You can force it. That's not the goal. Goal is not to win their obedience. Listen to me, parents. The goal is to win their heart. And my mom used to have a saying, I still hear it every now and again. You get more bees with honey than vinegar. You ought to be the honey of your child's heart. Draw them that way. The great missionary of the 1800s, John Patton, wrote this in his autobiography. This is, this is so rich. Listen to what he said. He said, God help the homes where things are done by force and not by love. The very discipline through which our father passed us um, was a kind of religion in itself. If anything really serious required to be punished, he retired first to his closet for prayer. And we boys got to understand that he was laying the whole matter before God. And listen, listen to what he says. This is so beautiful. And Elizabeth's experience was this way with her dad. Listen to what he said. And that was the severest part of the punishment for me to bear. I could have defied any amount of mere penalty, but this spoke to my conscience as a message from God. We loved dad all the more when we saw how much it cost him to discipline us. And then he ends by saying this, we were ruled by love far more than by fear. Be the kind of father that is so kind that it breaks your child's heart to break yours. Be the kind of mother who is so kind that your child would rather say no to his sin than to say no to your command. You, can be. no, you can't do that. You can't be that person outside of Jesus Christ. But that's who God is. That's why you need him. And your goal is to lead your child to him. And by the way, you do that through your own behavior. You're after their heart, not their obedience. What you don't need in your home is behavior modification. You need heart transformation. Oh, and please don't miss that. I'm going to talk more about that next week when I talk about God, how to parent with the gospel. Here's the last one. It's the C. A is always what? When B is what? Be gentle. And here is C. I know this is a little bit of an oxymoron, but consistently be consistent. <laughs> In whatever you do, however you choose to, to pull this off by God's grace, do it the same way all the time. If you want to frustrate your child, have slushy boundaries. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to have a child that is confident... If you want to have a child who is thriving, you make your boundaries as hard and clear as possible. And that they know, if I do this, then I can expect 
this to happen. You must have some firm boundaries. Ephesians 4, 6, it says, bring them up, raise them up. And it's interesting, that verb tense there. In, in, the, in the Greek language, that is an, a present, active, imperative. Present means it's happening when? Now, active means it's what? Doing something. And it's an imperative, which means you don't got a choice. <laughs> it's a command. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is commanding you, Mom. God is commanding you, Dad, right now on this day to do something that your child cannot do for themselves. Kevin, would you ever lay that baby down and say, you know what, Hope? Feed yourself. And if you don't, then you know what? That's on you. No, you wouldn't do that. She has no ability. And God is saying to you today as Mom and Dad, look, that child has no ability to parent themselves. You do it. You consistently be consistent. You raise them up. You train them. And you do it now. And you keep doing it. It's one of the things. Here's, here's one of the things that I fell into early in my parenting. I thought if I got a win, it was over. Oh, man, it's just beginning. It's just beginning. And the goal is not to win the argument. It's to win the arguers. The goal is to win that child's heart. And here's what I want to say. I think I even put this in your outline. It's so important. As a parent, we should be predictable and consistent. You should be so predictable and so consistent as a parent that when your kid blows it, they know exactly what's coming. And you should not be a loose cannon. You should not change the rules in the middle of the game. That's no fun. That's not even fair. You should be so predictable and so consistent that you are boring as a parent to your child. And until you are, you need to repent and seek the grace of God to do that, to be that for your kid. Because they're not your children. Listen, they're on loan from God. And I want to say, look at these points. Isn't God consistently consistent? Isn't he predictable and consistent? His Ten Commandments have never changed for thousands of years because he's still the same. The same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. He's the same God. And don't we just love him for that? Your children will love you for that too. Consistently be consistent. Robert Wagner said this very wise man. He, he said this in his book. He said, discipline is hard work, requiring diligence, persistence, consistency, and sacrifice. Sometimes when parents realize the failure of their past, hello, they resolve to operate their homes in a biblical manner, and then they are shocked when several sound spankings do not result in immediate transformation of their child's character. Right? They have expected the walls of Jericho to fall after encircling the city once or twice. Model children are not as available as instant results of stirring in magic ingredients. Model children are available only when parents obey God's directives and discipline and therefore open the channel for God's grace to be poured upon their family. You see that? It's consistency. You're not going to circle Jericho once or twice and expect the walls to fall down. It doesn't, it does not work like that. I promise you it does not. But instead, what we should do 
is we ought to do the same thing over and over and over again. And that consistency breeds confidence in a child. You want to win their heart? You, want to, you really want to win the heart of your child? Then always win when it comes to discipline. Be gentle. And consistently be consistent. One of the reasons this is hard, I want you to think about it, is because each of these three points are always pulling against each other. Yeah, and they're cute. Yeah, they are cute. But you know what helped me with that? Uh, one, one, of the, one of the parenting mentors in my life took this verse, you know, uh, train up a child, not, the, not that one, um, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of reproof will drive it far from him. And they are. Sometimes when they're disobedient as children, it's kind of cute. But that same disobedience, if not parented out of them at 12, is no longer cute. It's offensive and it's destructive. And here's how he helped me. He broke down that word foolishness for me in the Hebrew language. And you know what it means? It means demonic. Okay, a demon ain't cute, and I don't care how old he is. And when we see that behavior in our children, we need to say, oh, that's not cute. We need to say, no, that's demonic. That is the mark of Adam, their first father. And it's not cute as much as I want to smile. And there's times, Elizabeth can attest, there are times that we have had to walk out of the room with our hand over our face so that that child doesn't see the smile or hear the laughing. But then come back and deal with that issue and win. All right? The problem is, though, that these three things kind of pull at each other. One, and, and they tend to pull out of balance. Here's an example. Here's what's happening. You always want to win, so you pull that way hard. And the first thing that happens, you lose your gentleness. You pull so hard that you become harsh. Then you realize that and you want to be gentle, so you lose your firmness. And the difficulty of balancing those two causes, those two very things that causes you to fail, to be consistent. You see the problem? Now listen to this. Here's the solution. Don't miss it. You must pull tightly all the time on all three. When you let up on any one, you are immediately out of balance and inconsistent. So you pull tightly on all three. You, you determine that you will always win. But you will always be gentle in your winning. And you will always do both. And you do that by the grace of God alone. Mm, that's good preaching, preacher. And you know what? Your Father in heaven does exactly that with you. Kevin, I'll say to you today, that little baby's first glimpse of who God is is going to be colored by who you are in her life. Hold tightly to all three of those things that this thing always win. <laughs> and do not despair for her crying, as the word of God says. But always be kind. Let her know how much it breaks your heart to have to discipline and have to win. And then do the same thing all the time. Pull tightly on all three and raise that child for the glory of God.
Now, there's a subtle trap in here that I will not deal with today, but I will next week. And it is simply this. If we're not careful, and oh, do we need to be careful. If we're not careful, we will think that our parenting can produce regeneration in the little fallen hearts of our children. And we raise moral, good children who have no life in them when it comes to the Father. And, I just, and I'm going to deal with this in depth next week. Morality, moralistic parenting, is the death of the gospel in your home. We are not after kids who obey. We are after children who embrace the gospel. Now, we parent them with the law. When they disobey, we're consistent. We insist on obedience. However, we also admit in that to them, in front of them, that they have no hope of true obedience until they know the one who is hope. And we use the law of God to drive them to the cross of Jesus. For only when the heart changes can true o obedience come about with joy. I'm going to deal with that in some depth. And it was probably going to offend all of us and know that it offends me because the gospel's offensive because it smacks right against human pride and we're all full of it. So you want to come next week and hear that sermon, Parenting with the Gospel. Would you pray with me? Father, I come to you today. Um, it seems so simple, A, B, C. Always win, be kind and gentle and consistently be consistent. But, Lord, the truth is, after being involved in raising eight children, I know the impossibility of those simple little ABCs. I am a wretch at all of them, unless and until I submit to you. I embrace your kindness, and I display the same consistency with my children that you have displayed with me. So Lord, my prayer today for all of us as your children is that we will not despair of your command and demand to win. That we will rejoice in your kindness and that we will be thankful for your consistency. And as parents, I pray that you would give us wisdom to embrace the truth that we've heard today. That we would become a student of each child that you have graced our home with. And that we would be determined to be just like you. That we might always win in discipline. But we will always be kind and gentle. And we will do both of those with a consistency that mirrors your own. I pray this not so that we can raise good kids. I pray this so that we can raise children who will ultimately bring you glory. For that's what it's all about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.